everybody this morning. Hopefully you're doing well. You don't have rain going on out there today. It's uh, looks like maybe, I don't know, I haven't looked at the weather, maybe a sunny day today. We'll find out. Hey, we are in Acts chapter 20 and uh, we're moving into a new phase in Paul's life. Paul is now beginning toward the end of his time and uh, we're going to watch from chapter 20 on kind of Paul uh, winding out and um, I mean he it doesn't put in the text here necessarily uh, in the book of Acts but Paul will eventually be martyred um, and his uh, missionary journeys will come to an end there were three uh, and he's wrapping up a second and uh, before he begins the third and final missionary journey uh, where we are in Acts chapter 20 
So let me take us into Acts chapter 20, uh, get us there, and uh, read what it has to uh, what it has to say to us. Acts chapter 20. When the uproar was over, this is in Ephesus, Paul sent for the believers and he encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. Now this will not be his final goodbye uh, to people from uh, Ephesus. Uh, actually, probably the last time that he is in the city of Ephesus himself because his next stop, if I recall correctly in my uh, if I rec- recall correctly uh, Paul's journeys that this is the last time he's actually in Ephesus. Uh, next time he'll be in Miletus and we'll call for the Ephesian uh, app uh, Ephesian uh, elders there in Miletus uh, to come see him in Miletus. So Acts chapter 20, verse 1, when the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. He sent, he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. Again, that's over, it's north of Greece. We kind of think of the area of Greece, but it's above Greece. It says, while there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece. So now he is not doing as much evangelistic work as encouraging them to remain strong, to remain steadfast in the Lord. So we see him encouraging in verse 1, encouraging in verse 2. It says he stayed in Greece for three months in verse 3. He was prepared to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return on foot through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. Now, here is a key of disciple-making. Disciple-makers don't travel alone. Uh, As I go out and begin uh, more of traveling uh, as a part of my ministry, to find the people who can travel with me, to pick them up, to take them with me, to model for them, to think through what do I need to model how can I help them grow as disciples? So, and the same is true. Disciple makers don't travel alone. So, in verse four, several men are traveling with him. They were Sopater, uh, son of uh, Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus, uh, and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby. Again, those are all that northern uh, Macedonia area. Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. So they are from the area which we would now call Turkey. So he has people from several different locations who are traveling with with him. And it says, they all went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. Now, pointing out here that uh, Dr. Luke is traveling with them because verse 5, it says they waited for us at Troas. Uh, as uh, after, the, after the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later, we joined them in Troas, where we stayed for a week. So you get a sense of lengths of time, uh, three months in Greece, verse 3. Uh, and then the travel by foot, Macedonia, up, over, and around, back down into Turkey, waiting in Troas. 
Why is the Passover mentioned? It gives at least a, a marker in terms of the timeline of things. We know that uh, for us, at least in America, we would call this the spring of the year. This is, uh, you know, uh, late March, early April, sometime in that time frame, depending just on when Passover was then, because sometimes it's in April, sometimes it's in March. Um, the Passover ended. We boarded the ship at Philippi and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. Luke is now writing, and we've pointed this out before, but he is now writing as a companion. He is now writing as one who you could say perhaps is being um, a disciple uh, of the Apostle Paul because he is traveling with him. Again, big point here, disciple makers don't travel alone. You know, one of the things that, that I would challenge and encourage stimulate, instruct, um, trying to think of another word I can throw out there, but I can't come up with one, uh, is that we would uh, exhort, there's another word, uh, that we would be asking ourselves, who am I discipling? Now, I look at, at some of you whom I know, and I know who it is that you're discipling. Um, I know some some women and some of the women that you are discipling. Uh, sometimes they're sisters or relatives. Um, sometimes it, it is grandchildren that we're discipling. But to think through what what have we learned of Christ that we can impart to someone else? It is so critical, so key, so important. That is part of following after Christ. Uh, I've been coming hard a little bit lately at just attending church. That isn't it, folks. That is a part of it. That is a, a sliver of it. And as much as we like church, um, you live most of your life beyond the gathering of the saints on a Sunday morning, whether it's our church or a different church. And the question is, what do we do with the rest of the week? How do we engage other believers in the rest of the week? How do we engage non-believers in the rest of the week? Uh, what are we doing for the kingdom in the rest of the week? That is the question that uh, that I believe we need to be asking ourselves. What what are we doing with the rest of the week? Some of you perhaps participate in a small group. Some of you would say, "Well, Pastor Jim, this is my small group." Um, okay, but it's kind of a one way thing because uh, in this forum, I do almost all the talking other than some of the comments that are made along the way. Uh, I encourage you, if you have a chance to be a part of a group, be a part of a group. Groups impart life. Groups bring care. That's why groups are so important. And, and they need to be open-ended groups, not closed groups. They shouldn't be the same group of people who, I mean, it's not necessarily wrong, but where's the multiplication? It's going to say the same group of people who meets together for five years and no one else ever gets included. Uh, that's that's what I would call a bless me group oftentimes. It's their blessing, but are they sharing their blessing with other people? Are they multiplying disciples? I would suggest that they need to think through how do we invite more people into our group? How do we 
multiply our group? How do we subdivide the group so that so that the, the cell splits and now there are more cells and there are more people? Uh, Paul always traveled with people with him. And I'm sitting here, even as I'm saying this, thinking about the, the dynamic changes taking place within my own ministry and asking, hmm, who do I take with me? Now, sometimes it might not be that you get to actually put somebody in the car and take them with you. It might be that you go spend time with them. And I have a whole host of people to go and spend time with. But just the idea here that people, that disciple makers take people with them. We read this verses 1 through 6. We see all the people that Paul had with him with him, and we ask uh, ourselves the question, who would we take with us? Now, let's move on. Again, we are located now in Troas, and that's where we're located, and we pick up in verse 7, and it says, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. So this is a Sunday. Sunday is regarded as the... the, uh, the first day of the week, because that's what it says here, the Lord's Supper, the, the believers gathered on the Lord's Day for the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Day being on Sunday, not to be confused with Shabbat and, and Sabbath that was on Saturday. They were different days. It says, Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Uh one of the great joys I had took place on Monday evening. Um, I was asked to come lead a prayer walk out at Fairhaven Camps, which I did. But I said, before I lead the prayer walk, I want us to do some look at scripture about prayer. And so I led them through, I think, 11 or 12 passages on prayer, them being the staff. And... Uh, I had so much I could have shared. I could have shared with them for hours. I could have shared with them all week long. Uh, but I, I shared. I kept it down to like 15, 20 minutes. And I had them read the scriptures so it wasn't just my voice. And then we went and walked and prayed. We walked praying around the lodge, praying for different people that would be doing different things. And we prayed for... Um, different staff. We prayed for kids. We walked along the cabins praying for the conversations that would take place in cabins that kids would come to faith in Christ. Uh, that that was how we walked. That was how we prayed. I could have talked all night long. And then at the end of it, uh, one, of the, one of the leaders, Will, came up to me and said, hey, we have one of the counselors that's not been baptized and he wants to be baptized so he can baptize others. Wow, how cool was that? That was absolutely incredible. Last week, I've had some some incredible experiences. A week ago on a Sunday night, some pastors gathered, and we started off praying with a young man who ended up uh, following one of the pastors to our meeting. We prayed for this young man to get his life right. We prayed with this young man to get his life right with Christ. We hadn't even started our meeting yet, and that happened this past Sunday morning uh, as we had our uh, potluck uh, brunch uh, for in Interdependence Day on July 2nd. Um, we had a, a young man named Henry 
even before we start anything, said, I want to, I want to trust in Christ. Uh, and then, and then on Monday night to have somebody say, I want to be baptized. Oh boy, what, what wonderful stuff took place. So here we see Paul, first day of the week, gathering with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. He was preaching to them, and since it was, uh, uh, since he was leaving the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Now, that's a long time. He talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, but it was all about Jesus. It was all about the gospel. It was all, all Old Testament, perhaps, and, and some of what would become the New Testament. It says the upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lights. Now, sometimes a flickering light can be soothing. Sometimes a flickering light can be something. You ever like to sit and stare at a candle? Some people like to sit and stare at candles or sit and stare at a campfire or something like that. The, the soothing effect of flickering lamps, that's significant. As we're going to read in the very next verse, it says, As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus Sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul's preaching was deadly in this occasion. So Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms, and he said, don't worry. He's still alive, or he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared the Lord's Supper, and ate together. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn. He talked all night long. And especially after this young man was lifted up from, from the dead, uh, they were encouraged. They wanted to hear more of Paul, what had to say, what Paul had to say, because um, it, uh, it fortified them. They were re-energized by this horrific experience of the death of Eutychus, but then they were uh, all the more energized as he was raised from the dead uh, through the miraculous uh, powers that were given to the Apostle Paul, powers uniquely metered out to Paul and uniquely metered out to Peter that we read about uh, in the book of Acts. So he shared till dawn, and it says, verse 12, Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Paul went by land to uh, Asos, where he managed, where, where, uh, where he'd arranged for us to join him while we traveled by ship. He joined us there. We sailed together to uh, Mytilene. The next day, we sailed past the island of Chios. Uh, the following day, we crossed to the island of Samos, and, and a day later, we arrived at Miletus. Paul decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. Now, the, he had said goodbye to them uh, in, in uh, Ephesus earlier. Now he is going to speak to the Ephesian elders, but notice what it said in verse 16. He decided to, decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He wanted to get to uh, Jerusalem, uh, if possible, in time for Pentecost. We had read about Passover, and Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, 
So we know a time frame of his travels, of his speaking, of his boat travels, and what it is that he is trying to accomplish. Now, this next section, I, I'm, I'm debating. I don't know that I'm going to push into this next section because there is much to pull out of this next section here in uh, chapter uh, 20, verses 17 and following, because we see instructions to the elders. Oh, oops, let's do it. Let's just do it. Uh, sorry about changing the text up on you like that. It says, when we landed at Miletus, which was some miles from Ephesus, I think probably 60 miles by land, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus asking them to come meet him. When they arrived, he declared, you know, uh, that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia till now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Paul knows what he has stirred up. Paul knows what he is, um, the trouble that's following him. He knows the conspiracies of the Jews wanting to get him. So, I mean, the Holy Spirit just kind of confirming internally for Paul uh, what's going to happen to him. But he said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. I mean, can we say that? Can we say that our life is worth nothing to us if we don't use it for finishing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I've been faithful for us to be able to say I've been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I did not shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves. And he's speaking to the elders again. Guard God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. And that was responsibility of the elders, to feed and shepherd God's flock. His church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know, these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. So he's talking, saying, you work hard, instruct your people to work hard, take care of those in need. 
You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And some of you are absolutely incredible at, at following those instructions at your hard work, at your industry, at your making money, and then you providing uh, for many needs in many places. And remembering the words of the Lord, it is more blessed to give than receive. It says, when he finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried and as they embraced him and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he said he'd never, they'd never see him again. And they escorted him down to the ship. I mean, this, this is a holy moment. This is a, a deep moment. This is a wonderful moment of, of them uh, sharing together, being together. Uh, him reminding the, the elders of their distinguished, high, and heavenly responsibility. Um, there's much to do. Elders are responsible for the leading of the church. We we have we've made gross errors for hundreds of years in some churches, uh, some church circles, where we say it's the pastor. Elders have responsibility of church leadership, and so those who are elders need to take seriously the call of God upon their life. They're responsible for guarding the flock. They're responsible for feeding the flock. They're responsible for shepherding the flock. It is perhaps the highest calling on planet Earth to be an elder uh, because of the, the high and lofty responsibility and to understand Elders have accountability before God that, that supersedes that of, of just the average churchman, that of just the the, 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 uh, the nominal attender. They will give an account before God for the church, for people, for the community, for what has been taught, for what hasn't been taught, uh, for the way people have grown. Uh, for guarding the, the sheep from false ways and false teaching. So all throughout this chapter, we've seen Paul with people. Uh, we have seen Paul discipling people. We've seen him always traveling with people. We've seen Paul calling not just for all the people, the town of Ephesus, to meet him in Miletus. He calls specifically for the elders. He charges them with their responsibility. Uh, he charges them to watch over the sheep. He, he charges them to care for the sheep. He charges them to feed the sheep, even like Jesus did with the apostle Peter. Now Paul is doing that with the elders. Uh, Jesus did that in John chapter 21 with the apostle Peter. And now we see Paul doing the same thing here in Acts chapter 20 with the leaders of the Ephesian church. Friends, I hope that you you can grow as a disciple maker, whether it's with your grandkids, whether it's with your family members, whether it's with clients, business people, whether it's with campers, Walter, uh, or people who back in the facility when you get back into Lancaster, whether it's with orphans, uh, may we all grow in our skills as disciple makers that we may glorify Christ. Well, friends, I've come to the end of what I have the capacity to share today. I'm going to let you get into your day. Lord, help us today to walk with you. Help us to serve you. 
help us to um, grow as followers, but even more than that, help us to grow as multipliers, that Christ would be honored, Christ to be glorified. And in the midst of this, we pray for our friends in India that you would provide for their needs. Lord, you know their needs, provide for them. Our friends in South Sudan, pray for them. Friends in Ukraine, we pray for them that you would provide their needs and take care of them and watch over them and keep them safe. Lord, that's our prayer today. And for us, help us to live glorifying you in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer. See you tomorrow.